Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to the harbor. Thanks guys. Um, so for those of you that I don't know, um, there we go. Um, my name is Heather and I'm the student ministry coordinator here at River Oak and I lead the junior girls life group on Sunday mornings. And I'm just super excited to be up here with you guys tonight. We are going to wrap up this No Filter series. We've been looking at Matthew chapter 5. And so tonight, we're going to just wrap this up and take a look at what the Lord has to teach us or what Jesus has to teach us when he is preaching the Sermon on the Mount, just about how we as Christians should be living our life. If you remember a couple weeks ago, Chris was up here and he was sharing with us about what it meant to be salt and light of the world. And so tonight, we're going to look at some practical ways that we can actually do that and apply that to our own life, steps that we can take. So before we do that, I'm going to open us up in prayer because, you know, it's always, always good to start with that. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this time that we can gather together to look at your word. Lord, I thank you for the people that you've brought in here tonight. God, I pray that you would just open their ears, open their minds, and open their hearts to what it is that you have for them um, and just the truth from your word. Lord, I pray that you would use me um, to speak your truth, Lord. May, be, may these words be holy and completely from you, Lord, nothing from myself. Um, so, Lord, I pray that you just bless this time. And it's my prayer. Amen. All right. So, I'm sure that as you know, high school students, y'all are well-versed in just, like, finding a ton of random stuff on the internet. And so, how many of you, I'm sure, are well aware that there are some really just random laws that are in place in America? There are some, some of the middle schoolers were shouting out ones that I didn't even know, and they were blowing my mind, like, why was that a law? Why is that even a rule to begin with? But some of the ones that I found pretty interesting were in Missouri. Did you know that it is illegal to wrestle a bear? Why? Why would you want to wrestle a bear to begin with, is my question. You, you wrestle a bear, you die. I'm just saying. Then, in Texas, it's illegal to sell a human eyeball. If you have one of those, that just creeps me out to begin with, because how did you get it? Like, all kinds of weird things are happening. Um, in Maine, you are not allowed to keep your Christmas decorations up past January 14th. That is atrocious, okay? I'm sorry, but that breaks my heart. I could never live in Maine. Um, in Maryland, you are not allowed to wear a sleeveless shirt in a public park. Otherwise, it's a $10 fine. Brandon, I don't know if Brandon is here tonight, but Brandon, you would be owing a lot of money. I'm just saying. Um, in Vermont, it is illegal for a woman to get fake teeth without written consent from her husband. Did I just hear amen to that? Wow. Oh, we need to pray for you. Um, oh, this one I'm pretty sure a lot of you would be guilty of. If you lived in Tennessee, it is illegal for you to share your Netflix password. Or, you know, maybe the person that you stole the password from would be in trouble. There you go. Um, in Virginia, especially Chesapeake, you know, sorry, once you hit 12, you can't go trick-or-treating anymore. 
which I feel like several of you have broken that law. If we're being honest, I think several of you have. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, and then this last one was just super random. Like, I don't know how this became a law to begin with, and I'd be really interested to hear the story. But apparently in Arizona, it is illegal for a donkey to sleep in a bathtub. I, I don't know. Like, I, one of these days, I'll go look up the story and find out why. But for now. So we hear really kind of silly laws like this, and we have a tendency to skip over them because we think that this is not something that I would ever even think of doing. Like for me, I'm never gonna wrestle a bear. That's not something I'm gonna like think about. Don't, that doesn't apply to me. But there are some laws that we see and rules that we see where we just kind of want to skip over them because we don't want to actually obey them. So for me, I am keeping my Christmas decorations up to like March. So I'm sorry. Guys, I love Christmas, okay? Don't judge me. I'm feeling a lot of judgment coming right now. Um, so some of these laws are absolutely ridiculous. But my question for you becomes, how many times when you are looking at God's word, when you are reading scripture, when you are seeing the truth that Jesus has laid out there, and I firmly believe that the things in the Bible are in the Bible for a reason. They're in there for us to learn and to grow our relationship and our walk with the Lord but how many times when you see something that the Lord has told us to do, you choose to skim over it. You say, that doesn't really apply to me, so I'm not gonna spend time finding out what this means. Or maybe you see something and it begins to convict you a little bit and you're like, oh, I'm gonna skip over that one too because I don't really wanna obey it. So we see how in scripture there are things that the Lord has told us to do and we can have different reactions to it. So tonight, we're gonna look at a few ways that Jesus has told us himself about how we should be living our Christian life, how we should be walking it out with the Lord and growing with him. But before we do that, I want to remember last week when Caleb was talking about performance versus relationship. So often our culture tells us that it is all about performance. It's all about how well you do. You have to be good enough. But Jesus told us that we, we will never be good enough on our own, and that's why Jesus came. He came to give us his perfection when we choose to believe in him and when we choose to put our trust in him, we are made perfect in his eyes because we're covered by his blood. We're covered by what he did for us. So tonight, when we're looking at these things in scripture and what the Lord has told us to do, it is not performance-based. Instead, I want you to consider these things to be kind of a litmus test, kind of a heart check for you as where you are on your walk with the Lord. Are you growing in your relationship with him? Are you doing the things that he has laid out for us that have kind of become this formula of how we can be salt and light of the world? How you can be salt and light in the community that you are currently in. So we're gonna start out by reading in Matthew 5, verses 33 through 37. And he says, again, you've heard it said, of old, that you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, neither by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it's its footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your own head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say simply be yes or no. Anything more than that is from evil. Now, 
I can bet you in this room that majority of the people sitting in here have at one point or another made a promise that you have broken. And maybe it's the same promise multiple times and you keep breaking that promise. For some of you, it may be, mom, I promise that I will go do my homework as soon as I get home. Or maybe for some of you, it's mom, I promise I will be home at 10 p.m. 30 minutes later, you're rolling up. For some of you, it, it looks different for all of us, but I can bet that there are, are instances in your life where you have made a promise that you have not kept. I know for me, I am absolutely 100% guilty of this. I will tell people all the time, I will meet you at six. You can for 100% be sure that I will roll up like 10, 15 minutes late every time. I am a constant state of just running behind. So if I tell you I will meet you someplace, give me like a 10, 15 minute buffer. So I, I'm 100% I'm guilty of this. But when you make an oath, when you make a promise, you are making a vow about your actions, about your behavior. And generally, people are going to swear by something that is greater than them to show the, the seriousness of what they're saying. And when you see phrases like, you have heard it said, of old, or you have um, heard that it was said. A lot of times this is referring to things from the Old Testament, laws that were written then. And so when we see in verse 33, you have heard it said of old, you shall not swear falsely, but you shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. In the, in the Old Testament law, it was forbidden for people to make these flippant oaths, to make light use of the Lord's name. And so for someone to make a promise or an oath and to use the Lord's name in it, you better follow through. Like you have just like upped your, upped what you're saying. And so people during the time of Jesus would make these elaborate vows. They would use all of these fancy words, these um, religious sayings, trying to make what they say sound impressive and, and make people think that, oh, they're so serious. Like look what they're saying. But then they wouldn't follow through with it. And so we see in the Old Testament where it's saying, you know, if you make a promise, you better follow through with it. But when Jesus comes onto the scene, he, he, he takes it a step further. And he says, don't even bother with making an oath. Don't even bother swearing by something. Jesus just wants you to be somebody of your word. He just wants you to be somebody that follows through with what you say you're going to do. And he's stressing here the importance of just being a truthful person, of somebody that um, is being honest in what they say. Now, track with me here for a second. Why would somebody need to make an oath to begin with? More than likely, they are feeling the need or the pressure to add validity to what they're saying because their past actions don't match up with their past promises. How often do we do the same thing? Our past actions don't match up with our past promises. And so Jesus, when he is telling us, we see in verse 33, let what you say simply be yes or no. Jesus is telling them that just be a person of your word. When you say yes, mean it. When you say yes, follow through with it. Be somebody that is going to be truthful and honest about your actions. And so the second thing that we see that Jesus teaches us when we, when we move further into this passage is this concept of retaliation. And it's about this whole idea 
of not getting even. In Matthew 33, it says, you've heard it said of old, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. So again, we see Jesus making reference to the Old Testament here. And it's, it's important to understand that when Jesus is saying an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, he is not talking about, he's not talking to a specific person. He's not saying, hey, if somebody screws you over, absolutely, like eye for eye, tooth for tooth, like punch for punch, like even it out. That's not what he's saying here. When you look at the context of the Old Testament, you see that this was actually passed down to their judicial system. So it was given to the people that oversaw the law. And what we see here is that it was basically laying out a formula for people's punishment or for how situations are to be handled when someone is taken advantage of. It may not necessarily have been a literal eye for an eye, but if somebody had something stolen, it's, hey, make sure that they are fairly compensated. Make sure that things are evened out. Make sure that um, everything is, is kind of on level playing field here. And so the goal was to provide justice and to kind of alleviate this whole concept of revenge. But again, we see that Jesus, um, he, he takes it a step further and he begins to speak specifically to things that the Jewish people would understand, things that they specifically would, would know. And so when you continue on in verse 39, it says, but I say to you, do not resist the evil one, but if, you slap, but if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to the other also. So basically, in the Jewish custom, it is like a major insult for you to smack somebody in the face. Again, it's probably a major insult here today, but to the Jewish people, it was a huge insult, especially if it was one of those like backhanded slaps. Ooh, it was on. And so Jesus is basically telling them, hey, it's easy in those moments for anger to rise. It's easy in those moments for you to want to get revenge, and it's easy in those moments for, um, it's almost just like this instinct takes over. But he's saying, be willing to take the insult. Be willing to take the hit. Be willing to be somebody that is gracious enough to not escalate the situation. Now, to clarify, Jesus is not talking about like immediate danger to your life. So if somebody is coming after you, trying to kill you, like, please, by all means, like, defend yourself, run away, like, do something, Jesus isn't talking about that. He's talking about those everyday circumstances where you feel like somebody has wronged you, where you feel like just people are coming at you. Jesus is saying, be the bigger person in this. You know, in Romans 12, 17, it says, don't repay evil for evil. So... When we, when we look at the next thing in verse 40, it says, if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. Now, the to the, this is one thing where it's like you kind of have to understand the, the custom and the culture for that to make sense to you. So the tunic was an undergarment, and the cloak was an outer garment. It was kind of like a jacket. But this was also something that was used as kind of like a blanket when you sleep at night. So it had lots of, lots of functions, multi-purpose here. And so in the Old Testament, it made your cloak almost like a basic human right. Like if you don't have this, you should. Like nobody can take this from you. This isn't even something that you should have to give to anybody. This is a basic human right to have that. So Jesus is, is telling these people to be the bigger person, to be somebody that settles situations and matters before they get out of hand. He's saying, be willing to take the hit. 
Be willing to take the loss and give up something that is rightfully yours in order to diffuse these stressful situations. Then the next thing we see is, and if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Now this is something that's called, it's in reference to something called the Roman mile. So the Roman mile is in the Jewish culture, they were under Roman rule. And Roman soldiers at any time, it didn't matter if you had just worked like a 10-hour day out in the fields or you were exhausted, like it didn't matter. They could grab you or even your possession, so your horse or a cart or whatever, and they could kind of commandeer it and force you to carry luggage, to carry heavy um, equipment, and there was really nothing you could do about it. So people had this concept of a Roman mile where they were forced to carry things for the Roman soldiers. And so when we see Jesus talking about this, this kind of hits home for them because in reality, nobody likes to do somebody else's work. How many of you in a group project, when that one person refuses to help out or assist the group at all, you get frustrated and you will either start to complain about them, maybe you straight up argue with them, or maybe you just straight up like refuse to do the project because you're like, this person isn't doing anything. And so it's kind of this instinct to retaliate, to push back. And Jesus is saying, he's like, you know what? I want you to kind of take the sting out of this situation. I want you to surprise them. I want you to be willing to not only go the mile that they tell you to, but I want you to be willing to go the extra mile. And I want you to do it with a glad attitude. I want you to do it with a cheerful attitude. So the last thing that we see in verse 42 is give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Guys, taking something or parting something with um, something that you hold of value, something that you hold dear to you can be a test. It can be hard. And so, but Jesus is telling us to be willing to give and to give without expectation of anything in return. You know, sometimes people will give something because they know that they're gonna get something better in return for it. Jesus is calling that out there, and he's saying, don't be that person. When you give, I want you to give willingly. I want you to give without expectation of anything coming back to you in return. So the last thing that we see in Matthew chapter 5 that Jesus is talking about is something that the Lord has actually really been challenging me on this past few months. Um towards the end of the year, beginning of this year, I was reading a book, and some of you I've probably talked to about it, but it was called Everybody Always by Bob Goff. He is just an amazing writer because he likes to tell things through stories. And I love just like, he's humorous and, and all these other things. But through his book, he really lays it out as to why there are no exemptions from this. That as Christians, we are called to love all people at all times. Nobody falls outside of that category. And so that's why this last point, I'm calling love everybody always. So Matthew 5, this last couple of verses, it says, and you have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Um, just a little side note that hate your enemy part, Jesus never actually said that. That's not something that you will find. Jesus doesn't tell us to hate people. This was something that the Jews kind of added in and it became kind of a known law um, for them to, to follow. And so continuing on, it says, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. 
for he makes the sun rise on evil and on good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So the question becomes, who is your enemy? Now I know for me, when I think of the word enemy, that sounds just like a strong word, and I'm like, I don't have any enemies. I picture somebody that's like suited up in armor, ready to go to battle and ready to just fight it out. And I'm like, I don't have anybody that I ever want to go to battle with. So for some of you, though, you instantly had somebody pop in your head. You instantly saw the face of your arch rival, that just person that you see at school that you are ready to just throw down and go to the mat with, like game over. They say one thing, give you one ugly look, it's on. But for some of you like me, you're like, I don't have any enemies. And so at this point, you're like, I don't need to listen to this part. I don't need to listen because this doesn't apply to me. I don't have enemies. But I want to challenge you on your definition of enemy. Those people in your life, there may be some people that you do feel kind of persecuted or attacked. Like maybe you have a bully at school that just constantly picks on you and you constantly feel hounded. But it can also be those people in your life that you're choosing not to show love to. Who are those people in your life that when they open your mouth or their mouth, you can, yeah, sorry. When they open their mouth, all you can do to keep your eyes from rolling, like you just sit there and you're like, yeah, 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 just shut up. Like you're like, I don't want to listen to you. Or maybe it's that teacher at school that you feel like she is constantly hounding you. Maybe it's those people that you say, hey, they're not like me, so therefore I don't really have to like them. Who are the people that you are choosing not to show love to? Remember, guys, that that love is not just this butterfly feeling that you get in your stomach. Love is an action. Love is a choice. Love is choosing to sacrifice your own wants and your own desires for the benefit of somebody else. But another way that I want to look at this and ask you is who are you praying for? Because it's really easy to pray for those people that you love. It's really easy to want the best for the people in your life that are encouraging you and are kind to you and are loving towards you. But who aren't you praying for? Who doesn't make the list? Who doesn't make the cut for you to be praying for them? And I'm not talking about the people that you pray for that you're like, Lord, I pray they fail. Lord, I pray that they just trip on their face and fall. Like, that was backwards. Anyway, you know, I'm not talking about those people. Those people are the ones that we should be praying for. When it says in verse 46, for if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Guys, again, it's super easy to love those people that love you. It's not a challenge. But the challenge becomes when you try to love those people that, that are considered to be unlovable. There's growth there. 
there's the ability for you to challenge your walk with the Lord and for the Lord to grow you and stretch you when you choose to start loving those people that are difficult. And so, how do you know if you are growing as a Christian? This is not an exhaustive list, but the things that we talked about tonight are just kind of a a quick assessment for you to see where you are in your walk with the Lord, for you to check your heart and see where you're at. Are you somebody that is a person of your word? Do you seek to get even with people? Are you somebody that loves everybody always? You know, it it can be easy for us to look at, at stuff like this and just see a checklist of how to Christian do's and don'ts. But remember last week when we were looking at um, performance and relationship that it's not just about your actions, guys. It's about the condition of your heart. So maybe you don't ever swear to God, but is truth a high priority in your life? You know, you might not ever be somebody that seeks revenge or to get even with people, but does your heart grow bitter towards those people that you think have wronged you? Or do you seek to forgive and to let go of those, um, those frustrations? You know, you might be somebody that when you first meet people, you're super kind to them and you are, you're gonna welcome them and you are putting on a mask. You're putting on a front because in your head, all you're doing is judging them and hating on them for for who they are. So guys, my challenge to you is is just evaluate where you are in your walk with the Lord. Evaluate the things that, you know, the Lord tells us in scripture. It's so easy for us to read over things like this and think that it doesn't apply to us. We look at the word enemy and we're like, yeah, I don't have enemies, skip over that. But guys, evaluate who in your life is somebody that you're struggling to love. I know that this is something that the the Lord is constantly putting in front of me. And so whenever I encounter people that I struggle to be kind to or struggle to show love to, the the phrase everybody always pops up into my head and I'm like, dang it, Lord. And so it's, it's me making the conscious effort to show love to people, even when it's difficult. 